Hello. Whoa. <laughs> Hello. Is that too loud? Mm. It feels loud. Yeah. Wait, you see. don't. This is me. This is you. We are... Hello. We're both at seven. Oh, no, hi. we're both the same. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, hi. We are... We are on episode 15, lookup list for Maggie Long. It is Saturday evening. What's he even seeing? I don't know. Yeah, I should probably just shut that door. Want me to? Yeah. Guys, that is Henry, my dog, barking. We are at my boyfriend Mark's house. And because we're always recording somewhere different, so I thought I'd share where we are. And Henry is barking out the front door, which Jenna just shut so that hopefully we can get a non-barking recording on the books. Welcome to the lookup list. We have a few interesting things to talk about today. How's your Saturday? Oh, it's really fun. I'm doing this training Mm -hmm. all day long. So I've been looking at Zoom all day long. That's why we're not going to do it on Zoom tonight. We're going to just keep it. Just audio. So I can keep my eyes closed the whole time. Yeah. Give Jenna a break from looking at herself on the computer. Oh, no, I don't look at myself. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I, you know, I always wish that that would be an option on Zoom. It is. You it's can like, close. I don't know what they call it. I think it is. I don't do it because there's like 12 people. So it's like, I don't. I want to see everyone, but not me. I think there is an option. Oh, we need to find that out. Because when I've ever done Zoom, like a group Zoom where you, you know, I know you, I know you can do You can do gallery view or speaker right, view. Speaker but I specific. think there's something under advanced settings. I think I could be wrong. Where, where you I, can say, don't see myself. I used to like put a little post-it over myself because I just found myself like very highly aware of like. Watching what do I yourself? look like? Uh, what am I doing? How stupid do I look? And I hated it. It was. It makes me self conscious. Well, yeah, I don't know because like this is a very engaged. Like I have to be. People are talking, talking. I'm talking, talking. So like I think that's a good distraction from that. And sure. Yeah. Also, I think most of the time, and maybe this is just me, you're more. I mean, you in the general are more concerned with yourself than anyone else. So on Zoom, when I used to be on like my company Zooms. I'm watching everyone else, but a little bit I'm watching myself like, oh, do I look silly or am I having 13 chins or should I, am I making a weird face? Nobody else is looking at me thinking that. That's just me. No, well, I I don't think they're thinking yeah. any of that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really, I, maybe it's been a conscious choice not to look at myself. That's it. That plant's looking good. It is looking good, isn't it? Speaking of plants, um, one of the first things on our lookup list was why it, so this was the Maggie Long story. Mm-hmm. Um, Give them a quick recap. Yeah. So Maggie Long was in Bailey, Colorado. She went missing from her high school um, kind of performance and was never found. And then that same night, her house was broken into arson. And several days later, the um, police announced that her body had been found burned in the home. She went and home to get cupcakes or something. Yeah, yeah. cookies and cookies, refreshments yeah. that she had baked and, and then never came back. And and they and this is an unsolved one, cold case. They've never found someone um, responsible for this, which is just heartbreaking. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, but it, it took place in Bailey, Colorado. And one of the fun facts at the beginning is that Bailey, Colorado was known for its fall foliage. And we had talked about like... Why there? Why there? Because like... Well, all of Colorado is gorgeous. I'm sure that fall in Col- in most of Colorado is phenomenal. 
So why just Bailey? I was also thinking like, well, lots of places probably aren't known for their lovely foliage, but I think this was within the context of Colorado. Bailey yeah. is one of the places in Colorado known for. Okay, why? exactly. So uh, Bailey, Colorado is known for its beautiful fall foliage due to its location in the Rocky Mountains, which is home to a variety of deciduous trees such as aspens and cottonwoods. And as the temperatures begin to cool in the fall, these trees undergo a stunning transformation as their leaves change color, creating a picturesque landscape. So it's just more in the mountains than other places in Colorado, which creates, I think, a, a more kind of dramatic Yeah, fall like foliage. a stark change in yeah. the leaf color, maybe more right. trees or more concentration of trees. Yeah. You know what I want to ask. What? What does deciduous mean? Um, deciduous is a sun-loving tree, like oh. an aspen. It's a it's a tree that really enjoys being in the sun. Thrives off sunlight. Yes. And I'm going to show you these pictures and I'll post them. But these are a couple of pictures of the fall foliage in uh, Bailey. Wow, nice. Lots of yellows and reds and oranges. Mm -hmm. As you'd imagine. But yeah, it's like lush, like um, quite concentrated, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And, and so then also what I found is that like while Bailey is certainly a beautiful place to experience fall foliage, it's really tough to say if it's more beautiful than anywhere else in Colorado. So I think that's the fact that I found that it's like known for its fall foliage, which may be true, but there are tons of other places in Colorado that are also known uh, for their fall foliage. Um, maybe because Bailey, I think it's a smaller town, like maybe it is. it's less, you know, less touched less human less humans are around yeah i don't know maybe that makes yep. it seem more impressive totally um but i do think that all of colorado is impressive uh it's i found that colorado is home to a diverse range of ecosystems from the mountains to the plains each with its own unique fall foliage experience many other areas in colorado beyond bailey Offer stunning fall foliage displays such as Maroon Bells near Aspen, the San Juan Mountains near Telluride, and the Pudra Canyon near Fort Collins. Um, so overall, Colorado is just kind of a great place to see fall leaves, basically. Yeah, you just said something. You're all, well, all of Colorado is amazing <laughs> <laughs> for fall foliage. Yeah, it is. So, our, so the next one was, we talked about Jesse James. And in the episode, I said that he was the famous American outlaw, Jesse James, and he had he had been rumored to have hidden gold in the area of Bailey, Colorado, or just Colorado. And you had asked, like, isn't that the name of Sandra Bullock's ex? Mm -hmm. And you were spot on. Oh, yeah. Sandra, Blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Sandra Bullock was married to Jesse James. He was a custom motorcycle That's builder and reality TV personality. They got married in 2005, and their relationship seemed to be going well until reports of Jesse's infidelity emerged in 2010. Oh, that five years later. <laughs> yeah. Several women came forward with claims that they had affairs with Jesse while he was still married to Sandra. So in response to this kind of scandal, she canceled all public appearances and uh, formally separated from him. They divorced later that year in 2010. And she and and her public statement was that the marriage had become quote insupportable because of discord or conflict of personalities. Uh, he apparently publicly apologized for his behavior and sought treatment for sex addiction. Hmm. Seems to be like a real common thing for celebrities who 
stray from their relationships, which, oof. Oh, well, she continued on and on. She, she, she has since adopted two children, focused on her acting career, and Jesse apparently has continued to work in the motorcycle industry and competed in the reality TV show Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, but since then. Nothing. I'm sure he's, uh, and you know, people fuck up, but like, uh, he's not, he's kind of not, it sounds like he's been, uh, quote unquote, canceled, not because he said anything inappropriate, but just because well, no are, one yeah, wants to support him. Sandra Bullock is like, or no people that don't actually know him right. want to support him. They'd right. rather pick Sandra or no one. Right. Did you see Bird Box? Bird Box? Yeah. Bird Box? Great movie. Okay, I love that movie. Some I people talk shit about it, which is movie. fine. That really thrilled me, that movie. I thought you know it was what so other, good. You know what other movie is so ridiculous that I loved? I know. It's going to be the one with Channing Tatum. Yeah. I, I didn't really watch it. I put it on one night. I, I remember, remember you telling me. what it's me. called. Land of the She like Lost. wears a sequin dress. Yeah. Sequin like a romper or That's something. Right, yeah. Channing Tatum gets a little bit naked in it. I loved it. I thought it was really funny. But I do love a stupid funny anything. A- and I love... Um, a thriller. I have two more things to say on TV, which have nothing to do with anything. So if you don't care about TV recommendations, please fast forward. But um, one thing I want to say is I think the best TV show on TV right now, right now at this moment, can you guess? Your Honor. Oh, it's that's a close second. Okay. It, it's, it's Apple on, TV. Okay. So that's a, oh, yes, I know. I'll get there, but that's an important specification because not like we, I think you too, just w- solely watch TV through streaming. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Okay. So the best thing on streaming right now. Right now. Right now. I know what it is. What is it? Shrinking. Yes. I think it is. I I love it so much. Yeah, it's really good. I'm a little bit surprised because there are some heartfelt moments and you hate heartfelt moments. I hate heartfelt moments. I do. And this show, I think, does them in a way that I don't hate them. It's a little bit heartfelt for me sometimes. I agree. It is. But the 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 kind of humor, and it's just like so honest. The writing is really relatable. And it feels like, oh, I like these characters. And it feels reasonable that these could be real people, even though they're actors on TV and whatnot. I just, I love it. And I think seeing Harrison Ford in a role like this is so interesting to me. Um, I've it's, always, it's a, yeah, it's a different role for him. Totally different role from, I've always loved Jason Siegel. Um, I just, I think it's a in- incredibly well done show. And initially I thought, ugh, too heartfelt, too boring. That was my thought after episode maybe one and maybe even two. And now I just watched the season finale last night and I was so sad that it's over. Like I oh, really enjoy it. I think I watched it too. Really enjoy yesterday it. Yesterday morning before so my training. Good. And I think I didn't know it was the season finale. Also, that makes me think you should try the other Jason Siegel show from 2019 or 2020, Dispatches from Elsewhere. I'm, I'm going to. It's a little bit odd. From It was a while ago I watched it. I think I really liked it. No. I don't think, I mean, again, it was a couple years ago. I don't, no, I do not believe it is. Okay. Um, And then the other show I wanted to recommend, just because it's just on my mind, again, has nothing to do with anything, is the other night I opened Netflix, and the newest show on there is called The Night Agent. And it has this, so the main kid, well, he's not a kid anymore, he's like 30, but the main person in it 
is from a show that I watched a thousand years ago with Laura Linney called The Big C. I don't think I watched On that. Showtime, she gets cancer. It's oh. which sounds very depressing. Mm. It's hilarious. It does. And I mean it's it- a phenomenal show. Really, really good. And he was her son. He was like a teenager. And so now he's the star of this Netflix show called The Night Agent. And when you you know, Netflix now when you have a show come up, it has like a question. And so it says like, do you love a twisty thriller with lots of turns? And I, I was do. like, yes, I do. And so I put it on. Phenomenal. Well, don't they also rate like this is 98% for you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so this one is definitely like 98% for me. I love a twisty crime thriller. Definitely watch it. I don't know it at all. And he's super cute. The like main guy is super cute. It's a little political, but not too much. Um, very twisty. Anyways, so back to Jesse James. <laughs> uh, the real Jesse, well, not the real, but not Sandra Bullock's husband, Jesse James. Jesse James. The historical kind of right. um, outlaw. American outlaw, yeah. So he lived in the 19th century. He was born in Missouri in 1847, grew up during the Civil War. Um, he, along with his brother Frank, was part of a group of guerrilla fighters who supported the Confederate cause during the Civil War. After the war, Jesse and Frank turned to a life of crime, robbing banks, trains, and stagecoaches throughout the Midwest. Um, he became infamous for his daring robberies and his ability to elude law enforcement. Hmm. Uh, apparently, his criminal career came to an end in 1882 when he was shot and killed by Robert Ford, a member of his own gang who had conspired with the governor of Missouri to capture James and claim the bounty on his head. Ah, um, so it wasn't an accident. And since then, he's kind of become a legendary figure in American history and folklore. Hmm. Yeah. And his name's an alliteration. It is. That's right. Uh, so the next thing on the list is the gag order. Do you remember how this came into play in the episode? No, but all I think is you're not supposed to talk about... Oh, jurors? Yeah, so remember right after... Uh, the break-in and arson at Maggie's house, The like within a couple of days, the judge had ordered a gag order for any um, authorities, police, witnesses, anything, that they could not talk about this. Mm-hmm. And and then quickly removed it several days after that when they found Maggie's body. But So we didn't really, I didn't know why, and I still don't know why, but I thought it was something worthwhile discussing a little bit more about you a gag order. You didn't know why they put the gag order right. in place. Right. Well, why? Well, I guess you know now. <clears throat> well, I, I don't know why they did specifically. I don't have that information, but I do have more information about a gag order, which I think we can infer as to why they would have in this case. I mean, in most cases, I'd assume they don't want people to talk about it. Why? Yep. Because they don't yep. want outside info, t- hot tips that aren't hot tips or whatever they're called. You know, people yeah. calling in with like, oh, I might have seen this, which it's like, okay. Totally. Yeah. So a gag order is a legal order issued by a judge that prohibits certain people involved in a legal case from speaking publicly about the case or any related matters. Typically, a gag order is put in place to prevent publicity or comments that could influence the outcome of the case or to protect the privacy of individuals involved. So in the context of an arson case, which is what we were dealing with with Maggie Long, a judge might place a gag order on everyone involved, including law enforcement, officials, witnesses, victims, everyone, um, to prevent the release of information that could potentially compromise the investigation, jeopardize the safety of those involved, or lead to the, uh, you know, the potential suspect. Mm. Um, 
If it's an ongoing investigation, a gag order may be issued to prevent witnesses or potential suspects from discussing the case and alerting the arsonist to the investigation. Ah, right. So like the more the person who set the fire knows that they're looking for the person, the more they know to get out of town or do whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So gag orders are apparently often controversial and can be seen as infringing on free speech rights. However, in some cases, they may be necessary to protect the integrity of the investigation, which I'm assuming is what this case was. Well, also, I wonder if someone um, doesn't honor the gag order, can they be legally uh, prosecuted? And because, sure, I could see how it infringes on freedom of speech and also now that this is a legal matter certain things i don't actually know but yeah i just wonder that um if someone infringes or 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 doesn't honor yeah the gag order can they be prosecuted i don't really care to know but (laughs) (laughs) i don't have an answer that's fine that's fine i'm just thinking out loud yeah i like that that's your brain is always going which is impressive But I have no answer for you. So we're moving on to the next one. I don't mind that. So this is actually a a correction. So I listened back to the episode earlier this week. And we were talking about, um, I had mentioned that after Maggie didn't come back to the high school, I, I had found several conflicting reports. Some said her family filed a missing persons report. Some said they didn't. And then for beyond that, um, her sister posted something on Facebook and people wanted to like to create like a search party for her. And so I had said to you, but they didn't have the the means necessary. The police said it's not necessary. We're not doing a search party. And we kind of talked about like, well, what's required to create an official search party? Obviously, if you go missing, I can go out in the world with a flashlight and look for you. Sure. But an official search party, what is required for that? And what does that actually mean, an official one? It's filed with the police department, I imagine? Yes. Yeah. And so we talked about it. And one of us had said something about like a search warrant. And I think one of our brains had gone to like search party, search warrant, something. And I think Uh. it was like a miss. A miscomment. Right, because a search warrant one of us said that you have to go in, you need that to go into someone's car, exactly. home, office, right. files. So one of us said that and then the other one was like, Yeah, exactly, a search huh. warrant. And then and listening back, I was like, No, 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 that's not right at all. Uh, basically, I just want to clarify that so the process for law enforcement to declare and create an official search party for a missing person can vary depending on the jurisdiction, the circumstances, etc. But there are generally several main steps that need to happen to declare an official search party. Again, Maggie's family could have definitely gone out in the world with flashlights and searched for her, but it wouldn't have been considered with police and dogs. They wouldn't and have this the police backing the right. resources, right, exactly. the connections, the um, whatever. Yeah, all yeah, the things. All the things. Yeah. So to to create an official search party, you first need to contact law enforcement, um, report the person, the missing person to local law enforcement, provide as much information as possible, and then request an official search party. So you can request that law enforcement initiate a search for the missing person. However, whether or not law enforcement will initiate this can depend on a variety of factors, including the person's age, mental capacity, how long they've been missing, among other things. Um the next step would be to provide additional information that could help the search effort their medical history, 
possible destinations where they might be going, um, recent changes in behavior or mental state, and then finally to to work with law enforcement if law enforcement is willing to work with you. Um, if they agree to initiate a search, family members should work closely with them to provide assistance and support, including photographs, flyers, volunteers, etc. But if law enforcement won't, then you're kind of at a dead end at that point. Is from what I understand, like with if, the police, yeah, yeah, like you can go well, out and look on your own, but they're not going to they, put the resources behind it, right? And maybe it's a time frame thing, but also this reminds me of we talked about in a different <laughs> bonus episode, I believe. What is the requirement to file a missing persons? A yes. lot of people think twenty four to forty eight, not, not true. Right. So reference back a couple of lookup lists because yeah. then also I remember I went through. And there's that document, I don't know if I sent it to you, but of where it's like a worksheet of if you're going to yep. file a missing person, here's all the things. Did they smoke cigarettes? What are their identifying Yeah, because we things? talked about like gum. Yep. What's their gum? Yeah. Yep. It doesn't really answer the question of like why law enforcement would not enact a, an official search party for Maggie, but it's information about the... Kind maybe of. it hasn't been long enough. Maybe they, at the time, maybe they... That's true. Not maybe, I am certain they filed the missing persons, but those are two separate things, right? Fi you can file a missing person at any time, but... But it doesn't mean there's going to be a search party. Right. And then they actually, pretty quickly, you know, she went missing on Friday night. I want to... Ooh, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong when going back in my brain. Uh, I want to say it was December 1st. That she well, went missing, and they didn't yeah. declare that they found her body until December 7th, but that's still just a week. So it may not have been enough time for them to say, like, she's been missing long enough that we're going to do a search party. I don't know. That I didn't find. Is she did go missing December 1st, 2017. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure how long. I didn't find anything that said, like, you have to wait this long before you do a search party. But well, because it depends on a lot of fa potential right, factors, a lot of factors depending on the district or the right. jurisdiction. Yeah. All right. The next one we have was what is an under sheriff? So, and we maybe did talk about this. I'm not sure, but an under sheriff because he's the one who gave um, a lot of the uh, press releases and public statements yeah. regarding her case. And so, an under sheriff is a high ranking law enforcement official who serves as the second in command in a sheriff's office. The undersheriff is typically appointed by the elective sheriff and is responsible for overseeing the day-to-day -day operations of the sheriff's department. Well, I guess that, I mean, undersheriff seems a little bit, mm, but the second in rank. Right. You know what's interesting is I just look back here. So like, okay, she was born on December 17th, 1999. And then under it, I had written December 1st, 2017. So I imagine that's when she went missing. And then I flip over here. And I wrote, December 1st, 2022, Maggie Long Task Force. Yeah, because they did five years five later. Year, they did a big five-year push. Okay, okay. For they, 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 they put a they roadblock. They that day. Yeah, they okay, picked that okay. day. They that makes sense. It wasn't flyers. like a coincidence. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Because yep, there are yep. no coincidences. That's right. Okay. So this one is not super related to the episode, and I texted you today and you were like this had nothing to do with the episode but it's super interesting so in the preamble to the episode like the sense of place we talked about railways and there was a railway in Bailey Colorado and I talked about how me and Mark wanted to take like a, a railroad trip and you had mentioned I want to take the Trans-Siberian Railway <sighs> and there's a great movie on it and I will never know the name but oh go on though okay 
Um, so I didn't know much about it except for that you said like it's it's good. Anyways, I'm going to tell you about it. You may already know this, but listeners mm-hmm. may not. So the Trans-Siberian Railway, which Jenna is dying to take, is a network of railways that spans across Russia, connecting Moscow in the west to Vladivostok in the east. Is that still part of Russia? Former USSR. Vladivostok. I don't know. Oh. The main route covers a distance of over 9,000 kilometers, which is 5,600 miles, and takes approximately seven days to complete, making it the longest railway journey in the world. The construction of the Trans-Siberian Railway began in 1891, and the first train started running in 1901. And it was built to connect the vast Russian territory and facilitate transportation of goods and people across the country. Uh, played a significant role in the development of Russia and the Russian economy and helped to establish a stronger political and cultural unity within the country. So today, wow, the Trans-Siberian Railway remains an important transportation link for Russia and is also a popular tourist attraction. The journey offers breathtaking views of Russia's diverse landscapes, including forests, mountains, and lakes, and passes through several historic cities, including Ekaterinburg, Novosibirsk, and Irkutsk. Ekaterinburg, Novosibirsk, and Irkutsk. You know... If people want, I have no idea, but you know that YouTuber who he no longer does this, but bald and bankrupt guy. Oh, you made an artwork for him. I did. And also love him. And also he was uh, totally explored all of old USSR, like weird places. And he took one of his YouTube videos. He took the Trans-Siberian, which uh, I hear it's a popular tourist thing. And also, I think it's a particular kind of tourist because I watched that and it's it looks awesome and looks it looks beautiful. not easy. I looked up pictures. It says that it offers several different routes and options, including luxurious private train tours, sure. budget-friendly shared cabin options, even w- a winter train that runs through Siberia's snowy landscapes. Um, but can you tell us, the listeners and myself, like why does this interest you? I don't know. Okay. Period. <laughs> I don't know. No, that was I don't very know. Um, firm. It really just. Um, I kind of. I don't know if it was when I watched Chernobyl. I don't know. I've always kind the of had Americans. It. Yeah, I didn't get that far. So no. Oh, damn. I, it was a good show. I just really fell good. off of it because I watched it one day that I was a little bit hungover and then I forgot about it. But um, I I don't know. I have a very uh, an interest and zero or. Like 0.2% knowledge about the former USSR, Russia, um, these kind of abandoned areas within that space. Mm-hmm. And also, I really like this bald and bankrupt guy who does weird travel in weird lesser places. traveled places. And you and just like weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, <clears throat> One of my favorite words, and I can't remember one of yours that you told me or maybe learned throughout this podcast, but it reminded me of <clears throat> it reminded me of one of mine, which is the Russian term for astronaut, which is cosmonaut. Oh, you said that in the last episode. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, I don't know. There's something there. Something. Also, there. Okay. we have a bit of a Russian background. 
that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. I don't think it's that, though, really. I really don't. No. I, 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 I'm open either way. Uh, the next one was mean, median, and mode. Because we talked about mean and median. We, and you knew that both of those, and I concurred with you very mode, clearly. Didn't we know mode? We, I think we, we. The most I think common occurring. Yes. And you, I was wrong. No, you were uh. right. So you said that and I said, yeah, sounds correct. And you uh. were like, didn't you teach this? And I was like, yeah, but I can't confirm. We didn't look it up. Anyways, I just wanted to confirm that mean is known as the average, adding up all the values, dividing by the amount of values. Median is the middlemost value. If you put them out from <clears throat> smallest to biggest yep. number, lowest to highest. Yep. And mode, you were absolutely right. The most frequent value in a data set. So you were completely correct. And all that really, I mean, doesn't mean nothing, but it's like, when was the last time I had to find the mode of something? The most commonly occurring number in a set Rarely. of numbers. Rarely. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -mm. I couldn't tell you I'm either. not a statistician though. What a great word. Statistician. Uh, the next one is the geodesic dome. Oof. So oh, yeah. one of the, some of the questions that we had about this, I said that the first ever geodesic dome hotel was in Bailey. I also mentioned that they are able to bear a heavy weight. And I am going to admittedly say that I was wrong. Oh, because I was just about to say, I didn't know any of that, but once... Because I did picture the this structure. Mm -hmm. Maybe I pictured like something I saw on Airbnb, sure, sure. Stargaze. Yeah, but you know the like geometric and it yeah no, makes you this little it igloo. Yes, yes. And so to me, once you said that, I was like, yeah, that does make sense that it would be a heavy it's, weight bearing. Well, that part is true. Oh. The fact that the first ever one in the world was in oh. Bailey, untrue. I was incorrect. Um, the first ever. Oh. Is it still in America? Don't tell me. It's not. Is it in Iceland or Antarctica? It is not. Damn it. <laughs> uh, it is called EcoCamp Patagonia, and it's the world's first geodesic hotel built in 2001 in the wilds of Torres del Paine National Park in Chile. So these domes were designed in a sustainable way using renewable energy and optimizing national light in a very fragile, apparently, ecosystem in Chile. And um, it's one of the world's largest areas of wilderness with one of the most powerful climates. So EcoCamp Patagonia opened its doors in 2001 um, after several people um, designed this new style of lodging that was resistant to the Patagonian winds and had sustainable hotel features. The first ever geodesic dome, however, not a hotel. So the first hotel was in 2001 in Chile. Oh. Because it, because what I talked about is the first, the world's first ever geodesic Structure. dome hotel. Oh, no. oh, okay. And I said it was in Bailey. Okay, in so Patagonia is the first hotel. That's incorrect. Yes. EcoCamp Patagonia in Chile is the first hotel. In 1926, the world's first geodesic dome opened in Jena, Germany. There's a Jena, Germany with a J? J-E-N-A. Cool. Yeah. Um, and it was opened as a planetarium funded by legendary optics manufacturer Zeiss. It features an exterior diameter of 82 feet and is the oldest planetarium on Earth. Come I on. I know. I know. I knew you're going to have a lot of things about that. I have nothing more on I, it. I, I don't, actually. Like, something that 
I'm very interested in and know very little about, but consistently try to learn about, I got nothing. That just feels like not a coincidence. That it's in Jena, Germany. Yeah, it's interesting. Very. Um, so geode- So in terms of the, the ability to bear weight, so geodesic domes are built using a network of triangular pad- panels that distribute stress and weight evenly across the entire structure. This allows the dome to bear heavy loads and withstand strong winds and other natural forces, making them a popular choice for structures such as greenhouses, sports arenas, and even homes in areas that might receive difficult climate occurrences. Hmm. Um, so the strength of these domes is due to the fact that they distribute this, it, it's distributed evenly across everything. Um, in a traditional in a traditional building, the stress is focused on a certain area, such as the corners and the points where the walls meet the roof, which can cause these areas to weaken over time and pot- potentially collapse under heavy load. But in a geodesic dome, the stress is distributed distributed evenly across the entire structure, which allows it to bear heavy loads without putting undue stress on any one area. Did you see a picture of it? Oh my God, I have really cool, this is of Patagonia, I wanna show these and we'll post these. Look. Yeah, that's exactly what I was picturing. No, not, let me take that back. I was picturing, yes, those exact structures, but the the fucking hipster ones I've seen on Airbnb that are see-through. Right. So you can gaze at the stars. Yeah, these are more structurally sound i believe wow yeah really interesting though that's that's it that's all i have on the geodesic domes i mean i I think there's probably a whole fucking lot more but you know we're keeping it concise i know i'm gonna try and keep it concise so the last one i have and i'll be honest this one i could not find on anything that i looked so i really referred to my trusty old friend chat gpt you know it um so But also, let me be completely transparent here. ChatGPT told me that Bailey was home to the first ever geodesic hotel. And I believed him. And then when I looked deeper into it today, I found, no, that's a lie. That's incorrect. Are you using ChatGPT? I don't really know anything about this, but Mm -hmm. um, someone I know knows a fair amount and says, okay, so they introduced me to Chat. GPT, yep. which I thought, whoa, it still blows my mind when this person totally. tells me about what they're asking and what it comes up with. Yep. Yep. But then they said it's something about Chat GPT 4, which is a newer version, which they didn't necessarily say is knows further or further forward than 2021 or whatever, mm-hmm. but more accurate. So Maybe. look it up. Check it out. I will check that out because, yeah, I did. I did, I will say, when it comes to the actual crime or stories that we're talking about, I would never rely wholeheartedly on ChatGPT. But sometimes for the beginning um, facts or interesting trivia things, I do rely on ChatGPT. And then these lookup lists give me an opportunity to really check myself and realize, no, you need to look a bit deeper because that was wrong. Let's not rely on AI all the time. Yeah, totally. Not yet, at least, because it's coming, guys. Totally. So, but for this last question of this lookup list, I could not really, I really dug deep in Google and could not find a conclusive answer. So I did then go to ChatGPT. So take this for what it is. Okay. Okay. So we talked about how when 
um, emergency response, EMT, firefighters, police were called to Maggie's house by the tenant living in the attic. And I read something that said, like somebody on Reddit said, it's a shame that when they were going to the house, there's only one way in and one way out. It's a very long driveway. And they didn't stop the people that were coming out and they didn't put up roadblocks and stuff. And you had said like, that seems weird. Like, I don't agree with that. I think that they would have. That can't be true, which I didn't know one way or the other. So I, this is what I typed in to Google and then chat GPT. When an EMT, firefighter, police, etc., are driving into an emergency situation such as, such as a potential break-in, is their first order of business to set up roadblocks and or stop and or stop any vehicles in the area for questioning or are they more concerned with focusing on the emergency situation at hand and getting that under control before further controlling the situation? Furthermore, are they able to do both? It's a very long question. Either well, now way. I have a different thought, but go on. Tell me, Jack, okay. Chat GPT. So Chat GPT told me, when emergency responders such as EMTs, firefighters, and police officers are driving into an emergency situation, their first priority priority is to assess the scene and take appropriate action to ensure the safety of those involved. This typically means focusing on the emergency situation and providing aid to any injured individuals or working to contain and extinguish a fire. So that was this. The fire was still blazing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that does change my thought. And I probably knew it at the time. I was just thinking too fast. Okay, sure. yeah, duh. They have to do that first. Right, so... <sighs> And then Chat GPT said, in situations where roadblocks or traffic control measures are necessary for safety reasons, emergency responders will generally set up these measures as soon as possible. It may include blocking off roads, leading to the scene of an emergency, diverting traffic, or stopping vehicles in the area for questioning. However, it's important to note that the specific actions taken by emergency responders will depend on the nature of the emergency and the circumstance of the scene, which is, I mean... Duh. Like, that's super general. Ultimately, safety comes first. Right. Yes. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it says in some, and I did appreciate this. I'm going to say he, although maybe ChatGPT is a she. Um, AI. In some cases, responders may be able to focus entirely on the emergency situation, while in other cases, they may need to multitask and take steps to ensure the safety of themselves and others in the area by blocking off roads or questioning people in the area of the scene. Ultimately, the goal is to handle the emergency situation in the most effective and efficient way possible, blah, blah, blah. Um, So, and then specifically when responding to a break-in, because it was unclear if the tenant, I think the tenant, when he called 911, he was reporting a break-in, not a fire. But they got there and the fire was happening. Right. And so it says when when responding to a break-in, their first priority is to assess the scene, assess the safety of those involved, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, they may set up roadblocks. So realistically, if this Reddit person who I talked about in the episode, if they were even had any kind of validity in their opinion, which every opinion, I guess, is valid, whatever, uh, they maybe weren't stopping. If somebody's driving out and they're thinking there's a break-in, yeah, that's weird. Somebody's driving out, but we got to get here to to, well, to especially once somebody. they saw a fire was happening. Right. So yeah, I think I had even said like, "What? How could they not stop people?" Right. It's just a long driveway. It's not like seven thousand people are, but it makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, now that we talk, like about you're it highly again. focused on just like getting to the well, scene of the crime, securing it, and even then. if even if I imagine they notice, 
oh, these two cars or one car is, even if they're like, ooh, the prickles it, it their ears, like, yeah. it doesn't matter yeah, because ultimately they have to get safety, to the, yep, the, the yep. acute situation first, yep. which is uh, not unfortunate. That's a good thing. And also it's, a, I don't want to say it's unfortunate. They don't have enough people to do both, but well, like. It's, it's tough. Know. That's a tough call. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. Cool. That's our lookup list. Well, we've looked it up. We have looked it up, and that is the list, and thank you for listening. Guys, if you are listening to this, please keep in mind, we are publishing episodes from this point forward on Tuesdays, so we are not releasing episodes on Mondays because it is too difficult for me to get them edited by then, being fully transparent, and um, and I can't be consistent about it, so I would love to be able to have the episodes out like 5 a.m., on our release day, and that's going to be on Tuesdays from now on. Cause Why say 5 a.m., though? What if you don't do it at 5 a.m.? Well, no. So the goal, so, the, and this is just from my Why experience. Why not just say Tuesday, though? Because my, so the my experience in doing this is your release day, you really, you actually have it done the day before and you schedule it for 2 a.m. Because uh, no matter where you are in the country, it's either available at 2 a.m., 5 a.m., Got it, got it, got it. So uh, East Coast time, right. 2 a.m., here's 5 a.m. there when right. people are waking up for work. Right, and so that's always the goal. And so it's been very difficult for me to get it out at 2 a.m. on Sunday evening slash Monday morning. But not this, which is why we're pushing it to Tuesday because that will be possible. And then it's just, it's consistent. People know it's going to be in their feed when they wake up Tuesday morning. And that is always the goal. I was not meeting that goal on Mondays. So now it is Tuesdays. Sorry. And thank you for understanding. And um, yeah, stay tuned for our episode on Tuesday. I'm not going to say anything else. That's it. Happy Tuesday. I'm excited for the next one. Me too. It's a really good one. I'm excited as well. I can't wait. So we'll leave you guys with that and have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And thank you for listening. We love you all. And we'll see you soon. And go look up the Trans-Siberian Railway. There you go. Bye. Night-night. Bye. Bye.